Welcome to episode two of Down the Stretch. Here joining me today is my six and a half month old daughter, Olivia Joy. And of course, back from last week, Sean Doyle. How's it going, buddy? Going good today. Yeah. All right, man. I mean, I mean, episode one was a lot of fun. We're going to clean some stuff up today. Hopefully make it a little bit better. Be like regular TV shows that after a couple episodes, we get this thing down pat. So that'd be great. So last week we discussed the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. Now we've got to the Final Four. Last night, Final Four action brought uh, to, to set up the championship game, of course. We now have, we now know who will play for the national championship on Monday night. And that is San Diego State and UConn, which is a team that uh, Sean was heavy on last week. And they, again, in dominating fashion, beat Miami on Saturday like they did last week, too. And so it's kind of exciting to see that Sean, a, a team that you predicted was kind of rolling through the tournament, continue to roll through the tournament. Yeah, I mean, they're rolling through the tournament and have done so uh, till you know, which brought them to the championship. And I think they'll be – victorious against San Diego State. Um, you know, tip your hat off to San Diego State. They'll go get a tough win um, on Saturday against – or yesterday against uh, Florida Atlantic. Come back, win that game. Um, but I just think at the end of the day, uh, tomorrow night, I think that UConn's going to be hanging the banner. Um, they've just been dominating teams um, throughout the tournament. I think that will that will uh, stand alone tomorrow tomorrow as well. Yeah, the Aztecs of San Diego State, they've been playing really good ball during this tournament. And, I mean, of course, they beat a really good FAU team last night, uh, maybe a team that really wasn't ready for the spotlight because down the stretch, they kind of they were struggling to score, turn their ball up a little too much, had an easy-looking layup right, right there toward the end that they missed, which allowed uh, Trammell to go down there and make the make a, uh, make a basket. Not, I mean, I coach basketball myself. I would not advise a, the, the setup for that last shot. Um, I would never tell a player, get within six feet, dribble back out to 18 feet and shoot a jumper from there. But yet he did it and put the dagger in the hearts. And I know I'm, I'm a history teacher as well. How funny is it that, you know, that the Aztecs take down, just put a good you know knife in the heart to another team. That's just how it is. But right now, UConn, I agree, UConn's playing the best tournament they can play in this manner. And how cool is it? And I'm just going to put it this way. To that, let's go back to 2000, I believe it's 2011. Um, they come out there, and it's the same thing. UConn goes through the tournament and wins a uh, wins the championship in Houston. Um, how crazy is that? Here it is, 12 years later, doing the same exact thing. But back then, they beat a very upping, well, a good uh, Butler Bulldog team that was coached by Brad Stevens. Now they're doing a really good San Diego State team. Again, a team not known for basketball, but they're going to go against a big heavy favorite from uh, from UConn. Yeah, and I was, you know, I was actually at that championship game uh, last time there in Houston when they played. Um, that was back when they had Kimball Walker. Yeah. Um, UConn had a really good team. Jim Calhoun, uh, obviously Hall of Fame coach there, one of the best to ever coach in the game. So, um, but, you know, tip your hats off to UConn. They're here. Um, we'll see if they can dance the dance tomorrow night and finish it out. Yeah, I remember that UConn team from 2011. I mean, of course, like you mentioned, a couple of those cats are on there. Kimball Walker being the most famous one. Um, but if you really do, you look at, you know, I remember everybody's argument in 2011. And it's still the same argument where people are kind of having today, which is, should we get rid of these Final Fours 
and take them out of football stadiums. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, I, I'm a fan of that. I think you should take them out of football stadiums. Um, I've been to a couple of Final Fours in football stadiums, um, and it just it just doesn't work. That you know, you're you know, for the fans, it's good to pack the house and you have sixty, seventy thousand people there. But at the same time, you you know, in the, some of those seats far away, you have the court just seems it's it's you know right in the middle. It's very small. It's, yeah. it's condensed. Uh, you know, you're so depending on where you're sitting, you're very far away, and so. Uh, and then you just have this small wooden floor there. So uh, I've seen you, I've seen the one here in Houston. Well, I've been in the one in Houston before, but you were in the one in Minnesota a couple of years back. What I mean, of course, you know that that, that stadium was pretty much a brand new one. So how, what's the different atmospheres like at those things? Uh, the atmosphere is, you know, I will say this: I've been to NRG and obviously the one in up in Minneapolis when Texas Tech was there in the Final Four a couple of years ago. Right. And I'd say the one, the newer stadiums, have you know, obviously a little bit better, um, uh, you know, a little bit better sound, um, yeah. a little bit better equipped. But it's still at the same time, I think it's better to play an actual basketball arena. You're not obviously not going to have the, you know, the volume of ticket sales, and amount of money that it brings to the table. But I think the atmosphere would be better in a, an arena versus a football field. Yeah, um, and tell me this. I mean, of course, I've never seen Michigan State in the Final Four because they've always either been there when I had no money or they went to Minnesota and I couldn't afford tickets for that, you know, for that kind of a trip. What's the difference in the stadium when it's a team that you're actually rooting for versus a team, say, like you were – that you just happen to be around for? Yeah, I mean, when it's your team, it's it's a completely different feeling, right? Like it's it's surreal. You're in the moment. It's probably one of the best venues you'll ever go to with when it's your team. Having beat Michigan State uh, when Tate played got a couple years ago, and then yeah, I had to go throw it in there, right? <laughs> and then uh, obviously Virginia losing that one over time. That was you know that one hurt. It was a dagger. That's a bad feeling, but. At the same time, it's when your team's there and you're in the moment, it's it's a great feeling. It's fun. It's surreal. It's electric. Um, all these different emotions are going through you and through the fans. Um, I mean, it is absolutely awesome. Um, and I'll say this, I mean, you know, just to, to see the fans, in, not even in the stadium, but afterwards outside the stadium and just feeling yeah. uh, their energy and you're feeding off of that. It's, it's definitely, um, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been to the one here in uh, Houston in 2011 when they hosted down here. And I remember, I mean, Michigan state wasn't in it, but it was kind of fun to watch say like a, you know, a, a small school, like a Butler and then UConn and Duke and all those guys mm-hmm. there. And you're kind of sitting there going, man, this is a lot of fun. The atmosphere is a lot of fun. But of course, if I could ever go to a final for Michigan State or hell SFA in it would be great. Uh, and of course, I'm pretty sure the atmosphere would be different. Speaking of different atmospheres, Lamar Jackson. We talked about this a little bit last week. Things have changed a little bit as far as uh, what's being reported. Lamar Jackson took to Twitter on Tuesday to talk about things that people really hadn't known about. One, that he demanding a trade on March 2nd. Secondly, that he's not necessarily looking for a fully fully guaranteed contract, but wants something in the neighborhood of what uh, Deshaun Watson got just a year ago from the uh, Cleveland Browns. And then, of course, you know, you go into teams who have, you remember me and you talked about last week, teams that have taken themselves out of trading for him, one being the Commanders, the Falcons, the Colts, uh, those guys. And then it comes out, well, now that he's not fully much guaranteed, what well, doesn't want a fully guaranteed contract, 
changes the game because the, it was reported that the Colts have inquired about bringing him in. And at the owners meeting last week, Chris Ballard even came out and said, hey, we haven't closed the door on it. Uh, and they sit with the number four pick of the draft. Knowing what you know about the story right now, the likelihood of Lamar Jackson being a Baltimore Raven in September, what do you think? I'm going to about 80% chance that he's a Baltimore Raven come come September. I think you're going to have to have a team that obviously is in need of quarterback, first and foremost, which there's a few out there, as we know. Um, there's no doubt that Lamar Jackson is one of the best, you know, when he's healthy, he's one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. But at the same time, when you're talking about giving up that type of draft capital, giving up the type of guarantee money, uh, and obviously in addition to the, the contract <clears throat> that he wants, I just don't think it's sufficient uh, for the team uh, to be, you know, collectively across the board if you're going to be competitive in the league. Uh, you know, if you're talking about the type of money Lamar's, you know, wanting, he's, you know, he wants at least anywhere from 40 to $50 million a year. And you give up that type of money uh, to him, you know, then you're going to have issues across the, you know, uh, across the roster with keeping talented players around him. Yeah. Uh, he can only do so much when he doesn't have the talent around him. And we've seen that uh, across the league with other quarterbacks, right? Uh, and so it, it, it takes a toll um, on um, on the team. And I'll point to this too. You look at team, you look at, um, and past history always serves us right um, to know, but uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady are two quarterbacks that have given up some money and left it on the table so their respectful organizations can uh, can surround them with talented players. And so when owners see that and they know that it can be done and they can talk, you know, get a quarterback that's in it for the organization um, for all the right reasons um, to win championships and create a dynasty, uh, and they've seen it, I just don't think that – you know, Lamar Jackson uh, teams going to be willing to, you know, step up to the table to get that type of money and give up a yeah. draft capital to get him. I think also, too, if you look at the production of the rest of the team, look, even look at the year that he won the MVP, the receivers really weren't that great. And he really didn't have a lot of production with those guys. Guys like a Mark Andrews who comes in as a tight end. Like if you're if you're a team and you have dynamic wide receivers, like I, I'm going to take the Colts for an example, just because, uh, you know, I'm a big Colts fan. Um but I'll say this, Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce. Uh, now they just got, um, gee, they just blanked my mind right through there. Isaiah McKenzie from the Bills. Guys that go down the field, what do you do now? Like, what do you do for those guys? And if he bring, if he comes in, now do you essentially just say, hey, we got, we didn't make it work with Hollywood Brown with, with, the, uh, with the Ravens. But Mark Andrews, man, he's going to be fantastic. So do you look at guys like Jelani Woods for the Colts or Mo Ali Cox for the Colts, you're sitting there going – Hey, these are the guys that are going to have success because the re the receivers aren't. And if you are, if you're the Colts, and I, I mean, I've said this before, as a Colts fan, I do not want to have Lamar Jackson come in if he's going to demand two hundred thirty million dollars or two hundred thirty one million dollars just to say he got more than Deshaun. Um, it's just not worth it. It's not worth the money that's out there because you, like you said, it does handcuff what you do in the. Uh, it does handcuff what you do there. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. And then when you have – and then when it does, it creates that sort of issue across the board and other, and other players want to get paid at good skill positions. You're not going to be able to have the the, the salary cap to be able to play uh, – to pay the play the, you know, the players around you, and then it creates that issue, right? Um, yeah. So 
it's and don't get me wrong. Again, Lamar's a top ten, a top ten quarterback in the league. There's no question about it. I just don't think when you pay the pay that player that type of money, you have issues with salary cap and and obviously which hinders your ability to be able to uh, get the roster to be able to compete um, within your you know your division, your conference, and obviously make a playoff run to get to the Super Bowl. And so yeah. um, I think at the end of the day, again, eighty percent chance that he's a Raven. Um, could there be a team to make a move like that? Absolutely. But yeah, I will I say there's always going to be a team that can come out and just surprise you out of nowhere. Uh, one being the Browns from last year with Deshaun. I mean, who we nobody had the Browns in there before Deshaun got in there because everybody thought the Browns would run it back with uh, Baker Mayfield for one more year. But it turns out they wanted Deshaun. Well, I mean, that team this year could be anybody. It could be the Colts. Could be if if Kyler's going to be somebody that's going to be down for the Arizona Cardinals. I can see them making a move for one year. Uh, I can see, you know, um, I mean, I Arthur Blank has kind of backed off his comments as far as Lamar is of the last three days. So could, you know, could the Falcon be one of those teams that come out and just take him for one, you know, for a big contract? Good. Good. Absolutely. Um, Emmanuel Acho, I mean, I wanted to get into this because Emmanuel Acho with uh, Speak for Yourself uh, on uh, Fox Sports 1 was on on Friday and he sent these comments out, and I and I, and I, I had to paraphrase because I didn't because I couldn't keep up uh, writing it down completely. But he essentially mentioned mentioned guys like Lamar, uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts need to all wait uh, essentially till they're all pretty much uh, on that free agent train, and they all need to take you know basically hold out for fully guaranteed deals. I asked you your thoughts over it on Friday. You mentioned how you disagreed with it. And so at the same time, I will say this. I also disagree, but only but not for different reasons than you said. My reason I disagree is how hard is it to get everybody to, to agree on something? It's going to be really hard for those guys, especially like a Justin Herbert, who's going to go into a contract year, and a Joe Burrow, who's going to a contract year. They're not going to wait for Lamar Jackson to do what he needs to do. So we're going to have to really sit back and watch what's going to happen with the league again like we mentioned last week this league is going to reset from what happened with deshaun watson last year they are going to and the first person who's going to have to get take the heat off of that unfortunately is going to be lamar jackson and we're going to see what happens with joe burrow here in the coming months because i've already read they've started working out a contract extension past uh two years from now so it's gonna be really interesting what happens with those two quarterbacks first I think when you look at Acho's comments, and he says that all four should go into uh, go into this together against the owners, and they'd have a stronger stance than just you know individually. Uh, the NFL has, like you said, the NFL owners are basically you know g- colluding together and saying, "Hey, look, we're not going to pay this type of money." And then two, you make a good point. Um, you know, <laughs> ego is the biggest issue with yep. all quarterbacks, right? They want to be the highest paid. And they're gonna start pointing the they're gonna start pointing the finger like Joe Joe Burrow's gonna be like, hey guys, like look what I've done the last two years. Uh Lamar hasn't done it lately. Yep. Uh Justin Heber hasn't even won a playoff game. Yep. Jalen Hurst has got Jalen Hurst is gonna point the finger. I was in the Super Bowl. I was a few plays away from winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh so I just think you start looking at those things. Uh, performance and ego is a lot in the players alone. And like and I just don't see them agreeing upon it's like, hey, let's get paid equally. I don't yeah, see that. I, I just don't see that happening either. And I think that's going to be the main situation uh, is that you mentioned ego. I mean, good Lord, who's going to have the fat ego first? And right now we can tell it's Lamar Jackson. He would never stand around and wait for those other guys. He wouldn't say, hey, for one year I'll play for $32 million in order for next year to play for $53 million. Uh, 
Like I, I just don't see him as a dude that does that. And of course, I don't see, I mean, Joe Burrow, I love to death, but Joe Burrow, Joe Cool is not going to sit around and be like, I'm going to make the exact same as Justin Herbert, who hasn't done squat in the league just yet. So, I, I mean, I mentioned that's going to probably be a big deal. Um, but here nor there, we, we're, we're now reaching the final of the first weekend of Astros baseball. Me and you are big Astros fans. Uh, I'm an avid fan. I watch all the time. Uh, you're you're what I had to call a casual fan, but at the same time, you know, we don't have to get into semantics about how we support our teams because you support the Astros just as much as I do. It's just not on the same level as far as viewership, but it, it is what it is. Um, but it's 162 games. I get where people talk about that. But we're ending this opening weekend. Right now they are losing 3-1 to to, uh, to the White Sox. They lost on Thursday, but they had really good wins on Friday and Saturday. Um, and so coming into this weekend, no starter, and even, even including today, no starter has gone in, has pitched, has pitched past the fifth inning. Everybody only has five, or no starter has gone past five innings. Uh, Christian Javier and, of course, today with Luis Garcia, both pitched five innings and pitched to three batters in the sixth inning without recording an out. And so that's a huge deal. So, of course, the Astros, we know it's a long series. This is game number four of 162, 158 games to go. So it's not like this is a huge referendum. But the the biggest thing about this team, and I'm going to say this, is runners in scoring position. The same thing that hurt this team last year is the same thing that's hurting this team this year. Um, your favorite player, uh, Kyle Tucker, coming on strong right now, playing really good baseball, uh, coming off the World Baseball Classic, where, of course, he hit very well there. Um, but, man, this Astros season so far, although it's young, is showing a lot of promise for these young guys. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Tucker, the X Factor, as I call him, have called him the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Abreu, and Jeremy Pena all hitting the ball well to start off. Um, and which has been great. Um, you know, we're two and one right now, overall record. Hopefully when we get the win today, uh, although I see the the Astros are losing four to one right now as yeah. we're on this podcast live, but hopefully we can write the ship and, and finish the game strong at the bottom of the night to win it. Absolutely. But uh, with that being said, that the one here that is struggling for us right now is Bregman. Um, yeah. Bregman has not shown out at, at, at you know well at all the last first couple of games into this series. Hopefully he can pick that up um, here in the next series and, and right hit right the ship because uh, yeah. they're going to have to with Jose Altuve being out for a long period of time. Right. Uh, you saw you spoke about pitching. Um, there's no doubt when we lost for Justin Verlander. Uh, we spoke about that, you know, starters uh, are start, starting pitching uh, being an issue. But what the thing with the Astros have done this past offseason and, and currently do have is they have good relievers and closers. And so, you know, if you can manage where your 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 starting pitcher can make it through anywhere from, you know, six to seven innings uh, yeah. on an average day, I think you're in a very good spot. Uh, but it is an issue. I would not be surprised, and this is very early, only three games in right now, mm -hmm. to see the Astros make a move by the trade deadline to get to get another starting pitcher. Yeah. Um, to see, and they're gonna probably going to see exactly where things are uh, as far as their overall record, so they can so they can make another run. And, they, and let's be honest, they have the ability to make her. They could win the World Series right now and and repeat again. So they have the roster to do it, but they're just going to add another layer to it. Um, yeah, this let's is a also very forget good too. I mean, that, I mean, although these guys are not going past the fifth inning, this is just week one, you know, and especially guys like a Luis Garcia and a uh, Jose Okidi, 
um, and um, not Fromber, but I mean, I think in Christian Javier, all those guys played on the World Baseball Classic uh, with their respective uh, countries. And so they were out there pitching two or three innings at a time. They haven't had a chance to ramp up into, into regular season shape. So right now they're going five innings, but who, who knows? You don't want to overwork them uh, here in, in April. You don't win a World Series in April by far, because if you ask the Texas Rangers, who right now are undefeated, you know, they're all like, oh, man, we're, we're the best team. We're one of the best teams in, in the majors. Guess what? That doesn't matter in April. You know who else had great April? Seattle Mariners. What happened to them? You know who you know who had a great April a couple of years back? The Baltimore Orioles, who turned out to be the worst team in the league. So I mean, nobody cares what you do in April. And if you remember last year, the uh, the Astros were seven and nine at one point. And me, you, and Doug were sitting on Polo, uh, Marco Polo, going, "Hmm, interesting. Oh man, this team's struggling. What's going to happen?" And all of a sudden, they go out there and they win the World Series. What you do in April doesn't count. What you do when it gets to September and October, that's what counts. Look at you crack April Fool's jokes on the Rangers fans thinking that they're relevant. I know, it's so great. <laughs> yeah. I know. I had a couple of them relevant. talking trash to me today, and I was like, look, this is April. It's April 2nd, buddy. Call me in, call me October 27th when you're sitting at home and we're still in the World Series. That's a great April, April's full jokes, man. <laughs> great one. Great one. So man. now we reached a part of our of this one of my favorite segments because it is fun. But we're calling it Taking Shots and Sean Lead Us Off. Yeah, I'm gonna you know my this week I'm gonna go ahead and take a shot at the Houston Rockets here, Justin. I'm gonna go mm. to tell you that you know 19 and 59 uh, current record this year, 20 and 62 last year, 17 and 55 the year before. Just not gonna cut it when you have the town of Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., Jabari Smith, Kevin Martin Jr., and uh, Aspirin Singun. I mean, you know. We've, we've, we've acquired all this draft capital to be able to get these players in the last couple of years via trade. Uh, you know, the trade that I made with James Harden, the draft capital that we did have due to our overall uh, record and being, you know, getting top three picks in the lottery last couple of years. Um, just this roster is too talented not to not to be uh, improved. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not saying that we should make the playoffs, not saying that whatsoever, but, you know, you know, instead of 19 wins, we should have at least 30, um, you know, or 30, 35. I mean, take, take, you should be able to improve your, your record anywhere from 10 to 15 games a year with the type of talent that they've had and they've acquired. So, um, I see the Rockets making a move this past, this next, uh, this offseason. I don't think Steven Silas will be the head coach. I see them mutually agreeing to part ways and, and there'll be a new coach. So, the, so my point is Houston Rockets need to do a better job. And that starts, that starts at the top. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I predicted they would have 26 wins uh, at the start of the year. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be good for 26. They're at 19. That's terrible. Um, four games four games left. Four games left to go. There's no way they can reach 26. But good Lord, they should have been at least, like you mentioned, 30 games should have been in within reach. Uh, they have not They have not played well. I'm going to take a shot here, and, and it's not really a shot, but I'm taking a shot at college basketball next year. The biggest mm. star at college ba- for basketball next year, and it's, and it's not even going to be close. And it's going to be Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark of Iowa, she is a junior. She is not allowed to enter the WNBA draft until next year. Man, after what she's done in this tournament, back-to-back 41-point games, four, first ever 41-point 40 point triple-double that she had in the Elite Eight round to make the Final Four. How insane is it that she's got to go back to school next year when you have these guys who are one-and-dones who are going to be in the NBA next year? She is going to light up. She's going to be must-see TV for Iowa, which is great for the Big Ten. However, 
nobody's going to put girls basketball onto main time ESPN in the middle of the week because it's got big Monday or super Monday with the big 12. They've got big 10 games on Tuesdays. They kind of have the big games, the uh, uh, showcase on Saturdays, man, Caitlin Clark's going to have a, is going to be, she's got an NIL deal uh, that's going to make her really rich next year. However, one of those deals is with the boys and girls club that she decided she's not going to do, um, She's not going to take money from them, but she just wants to advertise for those guys, which is great. Again, biggest star in college basketball next year, and she's going to come home. She's going to be a big household name for the next year before she can come out for the draft. Is going to be Caitlin Clark. Hmm. Good stuff there. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, she's going to be huge, and it's gonna, I can't wait to see what she does in a year from now, but she's going to be the biggest name. She's going to be just like Diana Taurasi back then, Rebecca Lobo, uh-huh. just yep. with name recognition alone. Uh, so we'll see what happens from there. Now, seeing what happens, that gives us the end of today's episode. So we're now episode two, uh, uh, second episode in. Very excited. Going to put this out there, guys. Hope you guys can listen to it this week. Kind of shoot shoot us some emails, man. Shoot us some texts. Like our, all of our friends who have hearing this, maybe if you're one of those big-time producers that do the uh, uh, podcasts out there, you can hit us up via Twitter. You can hit me at, at MSU Colts. Um, again, Michigan State University, and I'm a Colts fan. Just trying to combine that together. Uh, uh, just hit us up with some some suggestions, some types. Get some links. Get some. Let's link up. Let's do something. We want to put this thing out there. We want to be very successful in this manner. Absolutely. So, with that being said, from down the stretch here, guys, we hope you have a great one. We will see you next Sunday after we crown a national champion in basketball tomorrow night. Go UConn.